Welcome to Design Much with Andy and Patrick. always off like because the video like the, the video's off you know yeah so then i get worried and then when i put them together money well that's good yeah it is good i, I don't think i've received any of that money yet patrick <laughs> are you holding out on me dude uh yeah that's what i figured it's all in my it's all in my bank account andy that makes sense. You're just saving up for a really big Christmas present for me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2023, you're going to get a really big Christmas present. Can't wait to get that that PS7, <laughs> PlayStation 7. Yes. You think it'll be PS7 or PS8? No, I think by then we're still going to have the PS5 because it's just coming out this year. So You said 2023, right? Yeah, 2023. Yeah. It's not that far away. It's going to be the PS5 Slim edition. The PS5 Slim? Yeah. In 2023? So we're probably looking at the PS7 in 2038. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> you could start saving up for that if you prefer getting me that versus a PS5 Slim for Christmas. <laughs> okay, we'll look we'll look toward 2038. Okay, sweet. That way that way you can have 10 of them. Yeah. Save up all that money. One for every hey Andy. Room. Hey Andy, did you watch did you watch Hamilton? Did you watch your part of Hamilton? Patrick, uh last night at about eleven thirty I realized, <laughs> oh hey, I was supposed to watch my portion of Hamilton. And I did it. I watched all of it. Okay, where did you start? Just just so the audience knows, where did you start from? You were like one hour and 40 minutes, right? Yes, exactly. I started at one hour and 40 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) With with really no previous knowledge. Um, But yeah, I did. I did my homework, Patrick. Uh, That's what I'm most excited about. The fact that I did. I did something. I did my homework. You completed it. Yeah. What what's your what's your take? What's your take on Hamilton for the last (laughs) hour and 40 hour and hour it was about an hour right that you watched yeah um (laughs) my take on hamilton you know i was i was surprised um the first thing i noticed about hamilton is what you mentioned in our last episode which is that they never really changed the set at all it's all just like that yeah that old like wooden warehouse so i had to get over that for a little bit took me like 10 minutes to get over that um (laughs) and they would just like bring in a desk or take out a desk, and that was the next scene, right? <laughs> That's all he would really do <laughs> yeah. to change it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, Patrick, the first thing I noticed was that the music was really good. Like, it was like, you know... It, it is really good. Really great beats. I'd never heard any, uh, you know, a piece of, of music from Hamilton before. Um, and it was great. I thought the writing was pretty good. Um, like... It was surprising all the things they were able to rhyme, to, you know, when you're talking about um, 1700, 1800 politics. They did, they did a pretty good job at that. <laughs> um, 
and I thought the acting was pretty great. And I thought there's a, and I don't know if we should spoil anything. It's Hamilton's been out for a while, right? We can we can talk yeah, about the yeah. end and stuff. Spoil spoil it all you want to. The very end when he is getting um, <clears throat> um, murdered by Aaron Burr <laughs> through that duel. Wait, that... what? <laughs> I haven't seen the ending yet. Dude, whatever. You told me about this last time. You, episode. dude. This is horrible. <laughs> Actually, him getting murdered by uh, by Burr was a long time ago. So I think yeah, I think we're I think we're safe to spoil that. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, that scene I think was carried out pretty well. Like the choreography and the way um, you know his last last thoughts kind of came through. I thought that was that was a really interesting and um, provoking scene. Um, hmm. so those are the things I liked about it. thought it was pretty interesting. And I'm, you know, jumping in <laughs> an hour and 40 minutes into the, <laughs> the movie. Um, those are my thoughts. Um, and I also liked how they, they were kind of going along with his storyline of, um, what is your legacy, right? Like you everyone, yeah. the whole theme of the, the, the movie from what I understand is like, you know, what is your legacy? Um, so I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. What I thought was kind of hard for me is like I'm not a musical guy, Patrick, but when I do watch musicals, I understand that there is usually, you know, scenes like regular scenes with people talking like normal humans for a while, and then in between those, they'll have musical sections where they'll take the time to really emphasize a feeling or an emotion or I guess those are the two those are both the same thing besides the emotion of the character or something they really want um they take that time to sing to dance and to like have your musical section and then they go back to having a regular scene this uh this play did not have that it was like 98 percent singing and dancing and yeah. so it like go literally from one song and the beat would change into a next another song and it was kind of hard to like get with the story when it was entirely a song. <laughs> like the whole thing was just <laughs> literally music, which, Hey, it's a musical. I guess I get that, but that's not something I'm used to. And I haven't seen that before. And I felt that was kind of hard to, to really follow along if the entire thing was um, music and dancing and just like go from one song into the next song, into the next song, into the next song. And they kind of maybe talked like one or two sentences here and there. And I felt like that was hard for me to follow along with the story and um, to really get what they're saying. Because the thing that I personally am not a fan of about musicals, Patrick, is when they take that time to express a feeling, they take so long to do it. <laughs> like, I don't know, you think of like Disney movies, which are you know, probably the best types of musicals, in my opinion. They work really well. But, like, the one that's come to my head, um, Simba singing I Just Can't Wait to Be King. He takes, like, a good three minutes talking about how he wants to be a king. Yeah. He could have really said that in dialogue, or there could have been a scene <laughs> explaining that, right? But they, they did that in the song, and it's, it's entertaining and everything, but that's, like, the way those work. But this one was, like, entirely... Um, all of the dialogue, all of that stuff was musical. And that wasn't as easy to follow along as a regular human scene would. So I had a problem with that for sure. Hmm. Um, but, you know, overall, it's it interesting. Yeah. Better than I expected it would be. Yeah, I, I 
I mean, I'll, I'll fully admit I didn't finish my my homework entirely. I've got I've got about eleven minutes left to hit your minute forty mark or hour forty mark, and I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll finish. It. I should probably finish it right because the ending was good. The ending was good. Yeah. Yeah. But I I agree. Like it's it's kind of hard. It's been hard for me to follow because because there isn't there. Well, there's two things, right? We talked about this last time. Like the it's hard to follow because there's not any scene changes, mm-hmm. and then it's all music. I like that you brought up that it's all music because it's hard to follow because it's hard to it's hard to know like like it was hard for me to know when one scene almost ends and the next one begins to know if I should be like my brain should be transitioning into like, Oh, now he's, he was writing this thing and now he's doing this thing, you know? Yeah. Or why are, why? And sometimes it was like, why are these people around again? You know, like it took a minute. It's, it was almost like a little bit jarring in between scenes sort of, cause some of them do blend together. The one thing I really did enjoy about that though, that I think uh, was cool <clears throat> with the music anyway, cause I didn't know if it was like, because I'd only heard the music before, like the individual numbers before, mm-hmm. so seeing it as a seeing it as a play, um, you see that like, you know, like the the I'm not gonna I'm not gonna miss my shot song is at the beginning, which you missed, but throughout the entire play, he they bring that they bring that melody in every once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Even if, even if it's like little pieces, like. They'll, they'll have a little they'll have a song they'll have a number about Thomas Jefferson and then he'll turn around and talk to somebody else and he talks and then it shifts into that song right and then it shifts into like his wife's song and then it shifts back into another song which I thought was cool because it's it, it blended all of the music together and sort of gave you a perspective of like where he's feeling where he's at right now like he's still it wasn't just at the beginning that he's not gonna miss his shot you know it's like throughout the entire play. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. And watching it more, I mean, I haven't finished it, but watching it more, um, I noticed that a lot more. Like, the melodies and the themes throughout the entire, they just keep coming up and up and up. They just, you know, they keep repeating themselves. Um, but I wish, I, yeah, I do wish that there was more transition, you know, from one scene to the next. I felt like the storytelling was really just in the music, like you said. And sometimes that was really hard to follow, too, for me. It was hard to know what was happening, you know? It was like, he's he's sitting down writing and, you know, he's rapping about something and a new character shows up and you're like, wait, who's that character? Oh, is that his son? I guess that's his son. Oh, and then halfway halfway through the song, you realize it's his son and then it's like, oh, okay. So it was, yeah, like to your point, I think that was, that's, it's a little bit like you really have to pay attention. You really do. And along those lines too, like, The type of music is rap music, like you mentioned, Patrick, which typically you're saying very quickly, you know, like they're they're like singing that really (laughs) quick. So you have to really focus in and pay attention to that to understand because all of the dialogue is in rap form, you know, spoken very quickly. Um, So, yeah, it's those are definitely some issues that I had for sure. But I think it was a pretty interesting uh, play. Slash movie. The the other thing I thought was was cool about it that I think for a for a Broadway play um, written about a historical time period about a character you know hundreds of years ago and using using rap and then also 
um, using using the you know using references in rap, which is a traditional rap thing, right? Is referring to things inside and outside of the song. They do that a lot. So like they refer to modern things, they refer to modern music, they refer to uh, you know a lot more modern stuff in the play during like like little snippets of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like throughout they'll kind of refer to things. I thought that was kind of fun too because that like catches your attention a little bit. And it's kind of, I thought that added a lot of humor to something that would be um, something that could be very, you know, historical. Like, and when I say historical, I mean boring, right? That's (laughs) what I... (laughs) So like, so like, I think something, you know, it, it added a lot to, it added a lot to that. And some of the characters are really cool. Like, uh, I don't know if you got to see in your section King George. Yeah, I did. I did get a. Piece <clears throat> he's of King a he's George. a great character. Yeah, he's a great character. Yeah, really he cool brought, character. He brought a lot of fun, and I understand that is. He's um, shoot, um, he's the guy who plays um, the bad guy on Frozen One, isn't he? Oh really? He's either that or he's Kristoff. I forget. Shoot, I shouldn't have brought that up, but huh. I know he's in Frozen. Yeah. Well, I know he's not Olaf. I know that for sure. He's not Olaf. <laughs> Olaf was in uh, the Mormon one, right? The Book of Mormon story. Oh, was he? It's called. I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I was like, I there was some there was a lot of fun in it. Like Thomas Jefferson was a fun character. He was like an arrogant yeah. jerk, you know. It was like, he was fun. So there's a lot of that. Plus, like, there's the whole rap battle stuff. Like, you know, it's traditional to have the rap battles, you know. And they brought that into the play. So you've got, like, him, you've got, like, Thomas Jefferson and Hamilton, like, rap battling each other. It's kind of cool. Like, I thought I thought that modern, like, that modern sort of hip-hop uh, twist on it was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, doing that. I, I feel like, Patrick, our politicians, instead of doing <laughs> instead of doing <laughs> debates, they should just do rap battles. Don't you think? Yeah, we need way cooler politicians though to do that. Like yes. I can't see any of our politicians rapping with like rap battling each other. It'd just be it'd be horrendous. It's already horrendous, but it'd be even worse. That's true. Yeah, so we, we have a lot of work to do, but maybe maybe by 2038 30, we'll, we'll have something like that, Patrick. Yeah, maybe by 2038 when the PS7 comes out. Um, well, that Hamilton challenge done in the books. In the books. Uh, minus should we, your yeah, 11 should we move minutes. On? <laughs> minus my 11 minutes. I'll finish it up tonight, and then we'll be done. Okay. <laughs> uh. Yeah, what's what's the uh, what's the design topic? I mean, we, we talked about Hamilton. There's a lot of design topics in there, right? Of course, that's there a design are. critique. Of course, yeah. we're designers. We critiqued it. It's a design <laughs> critique. Um, but yeah, what's our real topic? Real topic, Patrick. Um, let's go ahead and start our topic generator here. And it looks like our topic today comes from friend of the show, Chris Jenkins. Yeah. So Chris wants to know. Is this the first time? Is this first time, long time with Chris Jenkins? No, he's he's sent in a bunch of stuff. Has he? We've done on we've done one of his topics before, maybe even oh. two. I can't remember. Yeah, you missed Here's that. Here's a up. blur. 
<laughs> well, Chris, uh, he wants to know um, how to hire the best talent. How to hire the best talent. Yeah. I know everything about this, Andy, because <laughs> I have hired the best talent. Yeah, you have. Did you? You know this. Yeah. I mean, other than you, I've hired the best talent. Yeah, exactly. Other than me, we're not talking about me, of course. But... I mean, you can't always. They can't always be bangers, right? Like, yeah, you slip on one or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's step How one: is you have to realize. Talent. Step one is you have to realize you're not going to always hire the best. You know, he he yeah, or that... she might look like the best, like like Andy Page, starting uh-huh. out, but it's not always going to be the case in the long run. Yeah. Well, you don't know. I mean, Andy, on paper, Andy looks really good, and then you start working with him. You're like three weeks in, you're like, what did we do? <laughs> what did we do? But you can't get rid of but me because of my on. charm, right, Patrick? No, no. Can't get rid of you, though. It's impossible. Because you don't know. How to you. hire the best talent, huh? <laughs> How to hire I think, the best I think talent. It does, I think it does start with what you said. <laughs> it starts with understanding that you're not going to hire the best talent. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hire you're gonna hire the best person at that time period that's who you're gonna hire that's the, yeah. that should be the goal your goal should not be to hire the best person so i'd spin chris's question on himself and say you're not going to hire the best person like you're not gonna hire the best talent you're gonna hire the talent you need when you need it and that's who you're gonna hire yeah, because there's a lot of things at play, right? Like the best mm-hmm. talent might not be available for a new position. Um, yeah. Your company might not be able to afford the best talent <laughs> that you want right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you may think the best talent is something, and it's really not. Yes. Yes, and that, that speaks to something that's really important uh, about the hiring process that I find... Um, somewhat frustrating is um, you can fake being a good <laughs> being a good designer. I feel like you know you can yeah. you can put on a pretty good show. I think this probably applies to any sort of job, but I think there's people that can definitely talk the walk or talk the talk, but maybe can't walk the walk. Totally talk as they the say. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and no, I would say I would say ninety percent of designers are like that. Ninety percent? Not, I would say. I would say the vast majority of designers are better at communicating what they can do than doing what they can do. Wow. And I think that's. I think that's fine. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a bad trait to have. As long as, when they are working, they understand that, you know there's a lot of room for improvement because I think, I think hiring the best talent in the design world means there's going to be growth there when they work for you. Right. Mm-hmm. If you want the, if you want the best people to work at your company, then they need to be at your company growing. And so they need to understand that. But I think designers are really good. I think at presenting themselves, I've, you know, we've interviewed a lot of designers and every designer is, is fairly good at, telling you and communicating to you what they think they're good at yeah um you know from junior designer to senior designer i think they're all um they're all really good at communicating that 
but maybe not so much communicating the deliverable of that right sometimes when they get in the job sure yeah i think i think that's possibly true i mean i i think i've been in a lot of interviews where i've been in a lot of interviews where um i haven't been in have impressed i've been in a lot of interviews where i have been impressed um you know when when i'm you know part of the hiring process of bringing a designer on um so I think there's a lot that's at play there because you kind of have to go in like that's the way the interview process works. You kind of have to go in and talk about yourself and you have to go in and like brag about the work that you've done. Um, And it's some people are better at that and some people are not. Um, And then like, I think there's a very big difference about like talking about how great you are versus like starting up at a company and getting to know their culture and then, um, you know, delivering, um, cause like the culture also like can, 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 I think can go, what am I trying to say? I think the culture can be part of, um, your deliverability, um, as a designer. So like you could have been able to deliver it a different way at a different company. And then you come into this new company and you, maybe you can't deliver the same way. You have to deliver in a different way. Um, maybe mm-hmm. the expectations are different, but, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the hard part, I think, about when you are interviewing for a new job, you have to kind of be that way. You have to be a, a good presenter and you have to, like, kind of talk yourself up. Um, and so I think that's kind of the hard part, I think, on the, the presenter side of things. And then on the other side, there's the, the people hiring that person, um, trying to see if this person is humble as well as a designer and trying to pull that out. So I think there's, there's a lot of things that are hard there. Um, but Patrick, I know you, you know, being a, a director, being a manager, um, have hired lots of designers in your career. Um, just the best ones, just the best ones. <laughs> How do you, you can't you, you're never going to talk me out of that either. <laughs> yeah. I love every, every freaking designer I've ever hired. They're the best. Oh, I, I believe death. that. I've worked with a lot of the designers that you've hired. So, um, yeah, I'm on board with that statement for sure. Um, so, Patrick, how do you go about weeding out the best from the not so best in your hiring process? Uh, in my hiring process, um, <clears throat> I the the first thing I the first thing uh, the first thing I think that makes a good designer is somebody that has a unique perspective on life. Nice LaCroix, by the way. Oh, yeah, you like this? What what flavor of LaCroix is that today? Yeah, this is another one of those hard ones to say. Um, pommel mousse? It's pommel a, mousse? Yeah, pommel mousse. Thank you. I really wish they would make them easier to say, Patrick. Yeah. Because I feel like an idiot every time someone says, what is that flavor? <laughs> and I go, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of pink and orange. I think that's what the flavor is, because I can't read it's, that word. <laughs> yeah, with like a hint of green. <laughs> they could also choose a, you know, they could also design a can that you could actually read. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, I would, I look, I generally try to find people who have a, neat, a unique perspective on life. Because in my mind, a designer, um, a designer... You know, to do your to do your job effectively as a user experience designer, you have to understand other human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you only hired yourself, 
right? If you only hired people just like yourself, then you're, you're not adding to your design. You're not adding to your design team any other of these unique perspectives that can look at your audience, look at your users in a different way, right? Um, yeah. Come up with something unique and innovative that way. And so I think that's like the number one thing for me. And it doesn't matter what level, what role that's in. You know, whether it's like an intern, junior designer, you know, practicing designer, senior designer, whatever. I think I try to look at, I try to find people that have a unique perspective somehow, you know, um, you know, whether, whether it's the way they raised, how they got, how they got into design, um, you know, their personality, their sense of humor, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, cause I think that's where you really find the best talent is when you mix when you mix everybody up right like i think we spend too much time focused on what kind of chris's question is is like how do i hire the best person like how do i hire a unicorn to be on my team Mm -hmm. and you forget about the team right the team is what is going to make the best design work it's not it's not the individuals you know and so when you're when you're hiring people you need to hire for the team because the team is going to create that best you know the team the team's going to elevate each other or they're going to ruin each other right yeah. like they're going to destroy each other they're going to elevate each other there's no middle ground here like we're in design people are very opinionated about this stuff so you know it's either you're going to destroy it or it's going to enhance it and you want to enhance it and you want everybody to grow and you want everybody to learn and so you've got to hire a balanced team and this is what i meant kind of more along the lines of what i meant earlier about like you're going to hire the right person at the right time. That's what you should be hiring for, not the best talent. Because the right person at the right time is going to add something to your team, right? It's going to add something to your team where you're missing. Um, and they're also good. the team is also going to add something to them, hmm. right? Like that would be the perfect fit. And I think it's that's hard to do, and I've tried to do that every time. There was an example, um, and this is – and I don't know if this is going to work out right when I tell this, but there's an example where we, as a team, we interviewed, we went through our interview process, an imperfect interview process. There's no such thing as a perfect interview process. Um, we all sat down and we, we interviewed this person and uh, everybody really liked that person from a talent perspective. Like this person can do the job. This person would be good on the team. This person would be blah, 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 blah. But nobody said anything outside of that, right? It was like, this person could get the job done, you know? Like, there was no reason to decline this person. But but at the other side, there was no reason to be like, did that person blow your pants off? Like, did they, did they, did they think that they were going to add something to you, you know? Like, as a designer on the team, did you look at that other person and say, I'm going to learn from that person? Hmm. And nobody really could say that, right? It was just kind of like in the middle, very talented designer, right? And probably crazy not to hire the person. But I wound up not hiring them because I didn't think they added enough, right, to our team and enough worldview and personality. Like, they could have done the job just fine. But you don't want to hire somebody that's like, I could have done, I, you know, they could have just done the job, right? You don't want to hire yeah. somebody like that. You want to hire somebody that brings a little bit extra, something that you're missing, right? Um I don't know if that's a good example, but that's kind of the how I've always looked at it is like there's plenty of people out there for your team that would be good on your team. And there's plenty of really talented people out there 
that probably wouldn't be very good on your team, or maybe they would be adequate on their team on your team, you know. But you want you want to hire people that are going to enhance your team so that they will enhance your product to do better design work. That's awesome. Yeah, so you're looking for a puzzle piece. It sounds like someone that's yeah. going to work well with your team and also help to create the bigger picture, right, Patrick? There's plenty of sports analogies to this, right? Like, if you're into sports analogies, there's a ton of them. There's two different ways to approach sports. You know, like, if you want to be the best team, you go out and get LeBron James, and then you get, a, a you know, four other schmucks and let LeBron James shoot all day long and do his magic, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the other approach of, like, I'm going to hire... I'm going to hire, you know, five people that complement each other and I'm going to put them on the court. We're going to give them a good strategy and we're going to win the championship. And I think it depends on what you're trying to do. I think most hiring managers try to hire a whole team of LeBron Jameses. They don't try to hire. And when you're doing that, you're just like, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot because now you're going to have to deal with egos and all kinds of stuff and everything else. And then your product's going to suffer because, you know, and I've worked at places where that's what it was like, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's just off doing their own thing and nobody's working together and your product is crap. And, you know, so <clears throat> I've always taken the approach of like, you hire, you hire five con- complementary players or however many players, right. For your team, they complement each other and they'll build the best product. They'll build the best design and you structure a strategy around them to elevate each other, which I've been good at times and bad at times as like a coach and a manager, but, um, that's part of, you know, that's part of just learning and growing. But I think to hire the best, to hire the very best, you need to be looking for the people that complement each other on your team, not the people that come in with the best portfolio. You know, we've Mm -hmm. turned, I've turned down designers that had better portfolios and hired somebody that, didn't have as good a portfolio because I thought they were more interesting or I thought they could uh, complement my team better. Right. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if that's hiring. I don't know if that's what Chris wants. That's, that would be my approach. Um, that's what Chris wants. I think that's what he wants, Patrick. I think that's, that's a really great analogy. Um, and some very insightful advice because yeah, if you just hire, as you said, a bunch of LeBrons, they're not going to work together, and you're going to have a very mangled product, <laughs> I think, in the end. <laughs> um, well, it's not it's not user experience, right? Like, the, the other day on LinkedIn, there was this comment on, he was a guy, uh, he was a consultant, UX design consultant, he posted something on LinkedIn where he had, like, okay, I'm going to imagine this, right? He has a bar, has a title up at the top has a bunch of icons next to it right Mm -hmm. and he said he said what is ux right is it this or is it this other thing and so what he did was took all those icons and put them in a more menu put a call to action button and everything and he, he spruced up the ui but the conversation was really interesting on linkedin because and and this is kind of how i think hiring hiring somebody applies the same way is that's not necessarily better ux than the first one right it may visually be a better approach to a UI, but you don't know until you've looked at your, until you've looked at your users, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know if it's good UX. You don't know which one is good UX until you've done your research enough to understand, like, is this one better for our user? Is this one better for our user? Because UX is a matter of trade-offs, right? Having a, having eight icons next to each other may be good for this particular set of users and may be bad for this set of users. So you design it differently, right? And I think 
hiring is the same way. You have to understand what you're hiring for, understand your team to hire the best to, to hire the best person. And that may not be the person that's the best on paper, right? Or the person that's best by reputation. Yeah. Well, that's and interesting. It's just, it's, it's just UX. It's like, we're UX people. Like, UX the hiring process. <laughs> <laughs> UX User all test the them. things, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you could user test uh, user test potential candidates. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing, right, during the interview process. You're kind of testing them. Yeah. How do you, Andy, Andy, I got a question for you. Okay. <laughs> this, this, since we're talking about hiring and hiring the best, I think there's another principle involved in hiring the best, but I want your take on it. How do you feel about... Uh, hiring managers giving away or, or requiring you to do uh, design homework during an interview process? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I've had that uh, many times in my career, you know, with graphic design, even with UX. Um, and I am personally not a fan of it. Um, and my, my thoughts are, basically, I come to the table with a portfolio. And I am my job as an interviewee is to show you um, how I make decisions, you know, how I, how I design essentially. Um, and really the design process isn't, you know, somebody just giving me something like a small task that I have to turn into something visual. So when people like say, I need you to like, give me this, this UX page, just make something up. Um, well, that's not really the right way about going about a design process in the first place. Um, that might've worked sometimes with graphic design, but I also took the time to create a portfolio with my experience, with my past work. And then you're asking me to do more work. Um, that's just like completely random. Um, I never enjoyed doing that. And I felt like it was just a lot more, a lot more stuff on my shoulders during a process. That's already very hard. The process of finding a new job. It's really hard and stressful and giving me additional homework to do like on my own time is <laughs> it's aggravating. So I am completely not a fan of that. Yeah. There's like one person in the world that likes to do homework, right? <laughs> like nobody likes to do homework. You Seriously. never you hated to do it in junior high. You hated yeah. It's like, it's like you, you, you're like, yeah, I'm out of high school. I'm out of college. No more homework. You go to your first job interview. <laughs> Hey, can you do this homework for me? And you might and, not and even not get even, credit for it. <laughs> and yeah, you wouldn't. You might not even get credit for it. And the other thing too is you're doing somebody else's freaking homework. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a this is a company asking you to do their homework. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're. It's not like they're giving you something original. So, I mean, some companies do that. You know, give you some original piece of homework or something to do. But m- my thought. I, I agree with you. My thought has always been the, the thing I learned very quickly when I became a hiring manager is that because I, I, I remember having the thought, I'm like, ah, should I? Because in past places we I had to do it was a tradition, right? It was like you do the hot, you do the homework, you know, they'll give you a project and you do it, and it was traditional. So I was like, okay, should I do that or not? And when I first started hiring, I was like, should I do that or not? And I I kind of went back and forth, and I was like, the realization that I came to was that one like you said 
it's probably not going to tell me anything that their portfolio won't tell me. Mm -hmm. Assuming that I look into their portfolio, right? (laughs) Assuming I'm not lazy. It's probably not going to tell me anything because I'm going to give them some weird thing. They're not going to do the full design process. They're interviewing at 10 other companies who are probably going to require homework. So they're only going to do homework. They're only going to do good homework for the one company that they want, which might not be me. You know, it might not be our company. Um, so it's almost like I don't want I don't want them to present some like, you know, crappy design homework that I don't learn anything from them and it's going to waste everyone's time. Um, but the other thing, too, that I realize is I can I can honestly sit down with somebody and interview them um, and look through their portfolio and pretty much understand what I need. Like, there's no need for me to make them do any more work. Yeah. Like, what is it? what is it going to change, right? They're going to, if they know somebody at the company, they're going to ask somebody at the company what I'm looking for and they're going to cheat, which isn't necessarily what I want. Uh, if they don't want to work there, they're just not going to do the homework very well. And then the presentation is going to be awkward, right? Which we've all been in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to ask them a bunch of questions that are completely unfair. Like, why didn't you reach out and talk to one of our PMs? Why didn't you reach out and talk to some of our customers? completely unfair they don't work for us it's not like you know so my conclusion was always like to hire to hire the best candidate you know for for our time period and stuff i've got to actually do my homework versus forcing them to do their homework right and i think hiring managers get lazy they they put it all on they put it all on the person right i've been in interviews you've been in interviews where it's like they require you to do a whole presentation about yourself and you have to put a portfolio together and you have to put all this crap together and like give it to them and present yourself. And they may ask you one or two questions in an interview, but they're basing their entire hiring process off of doing nothing other than observing you. That's it. Which in my mind is like, that's not what, that's not what you're going to do when you hire them. Right. You're not just going to observe them. Mm -hmm. You're going to coach them and help them. And they're going to work with other team members and everything else. So it's like, you got to actually know who you're hiring, like what you're hiring for, what strengths and weaknesses that you need and, and write those down, like put that down on paper. So you know exactly what you're looking for. Tell the rest of your team. I think this is what we need to look for. Um, get your team involved, do an interview process, do a, do a shadow if you need to, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I think, I think the other thing too, is you need to be putting more effort in the hiring process than they are. I think you're going to find better candidates as a manager if you're doing more work than the candidates are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think the, the last part, like the last part of my, what I found successful over the years in hiring people was giving the people, giving the candidates time to actually understand and truly know what we do, right? How we function, what we do. So we started, you know, we started doing like, you do like a half an hour shadow with somebody that maybe doesn't seem like a lot. But they get to sit down and see what that environment is, what the desk looks like, what, you know, who are the people that are surrounding me? Like, what does the office stink, you know? <laughs> like, like you got to know all these things. Most of the time, you, you come into an interview and you're, you go in, you meet the receptionist, you check in, you get your name tag, you meet your hiring manager. The hiring manager drags you to a, to a, to a room, right, a meeting room, and then you sit in that meeting room for three and a half hours while other people come and go inside of the meeting room to ask you a bunch of questions. Yep. Like it's a police interrogation. 
Right? That's what they, that's what police do when they arrest somebody. It makes no sense. You're never going to hire the best candidate if you're just interrogating them, right? If you're interrogating them like you're going to throw them in jail, that's that's like the wrong approach. So we started to approach it differently, right? We started to look at it differently and say, well, if we want to hire the best candidates, I want people that want to work here just as much as I want to work here, right? And the only way to get to know, the only way for me to understand if they know that is if I show them what it is to work here and then Mm -hmm. ask them at the end of the interview, do you like what you see here, you know? (laughs) And so it's like, we, we did the whole job shadow we did. And I remember the first time we started doing more of that, one of the candidates, a junior candidate, <laughs> he left feeling like he wasn't interviewed. That was his feedback. Oh, wow. He was like, I feel like I, feel like I wasn't interviewed. The dude was there for like four hours, right? <laughs> but he left feeling like he wasn't interviewed. And that was, to me, that was like, oh, then, we'll, then we did our job, right? If he came in and didn't feel like he was interviewed and we got the information from him that we needed because we got to see him in action and all that kind of stuff, then, like, that was perfect. Because I, I didn't want anybody to feel like they were being interviewed or mm-hmm. interrogated. <laughs> awesome. So, Patrick, do you usually ask for, for like, feedback on the interview process to, to those who you're interviewing after the fact? I, I started to. Um, I didn't know how to do it because I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how to do it, like, because you're going to get 10 candidates to come in. Maybe you fill, you know, you get 30 candidates that apply. You talk, you, you phone screen 10, you bring in five, whatever it is. You bring those people in and then you talk to them. Um, you're going to turn down four of them, maybe even five of them, right? You might, you're gonna, the majority of them you're going to turn down. And that's not a good time to ask for feedback. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, so I really struggled with, I really struggled with that. So, um, what I started doing is during, like at the end of the interview process, we had kind of a formal interview, uh, between like me and them and maybe another designer. And that's where we would ask them, you know, any questions that they had, do you have any questions about us? You know, that kind of thing. And then I would just ask them like, so how's, how has the interview process been for you? Hmm. You know? So I asked them then before I, before we turned them <laughs> down, you know? That's a good call. It's about timing, man. You you got to work for these things out. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And that's that's a great way to learn and and improve your your process. That's how you, as you said, UX the interview process, right, Patrick? The hiring (laughs) process. Um, And uh, really quickly, I also wanted to mention as well, something that I really liked when, you know, I was back at Canopy and we were hiring. one, one portion that you brought into that process was kind of, instead of giving them that homework to do at home that they would bring in and present on, um, we would have like a small design exercise where you'd give us a problem and everybody would sit down on the design team and we'd all work on this problem um, together or we'd work on it, you know, and then, and then present our ideas together. Um, and I thought that was a really good way to understand how people work. Um, to see like how how they make decisions um, versus like yeah here's here's this this uh, w- homework that I'm going to give you that's going to take you four hours to do um, so I also like that as well I think that's a good option that, that teams can take and um, kind of see how they work well together during that process um, I think the shadow is pretty cool too because um, then they're able to see yeah, that environment, as you mentioned. So I think there's a lot of ways that, that people can can make that process better 
But one thing that I think is really important and that I like to see in the interviews is when the candidates are asking more questions. Um, uh-huh. So part of the hiring thing is it's a two-way thing. Like you're not just looking for someone to come on. They're also looking for their next company, right? So it's, it's just like dating in that way. Like you're looking for your next thing, um, your next relationship. And um, you want to make sure that they're learning as much as they can about the company um, that they're potentially wanting to work for. So I really like how you're letting them shadow, how you're um, asking them for feedback about the interview process. Um, but also, like I think during interviews, you definitely want to take the time to let them ask questions and give them a space where they can ask as many questions as they need to to understand um, a lot about the company. Um, also, when they're asking you, like if you're a team member of the company, and they're asking you questions, you can learn a lot about them by the questions that they're asking. You can learn about what sort of culture they are looking for, um, what sort of design team they want to work in, and um, what sort of problems interest them to, to solve for. So the more space that you let them um, learn about the company that they're applying to, that they're wanting to be a, you know, an employee of, um, I think the better for all parties involved. So I think more people should implement that space into their hiring process. That's perfect. Because I was going to say, um, as a hiring manager, when you hire, you bring in 10 candidates, you interview those 10 candidates. Every single one of them is going to tell you they want to work at your company. Mm-hmm. But only one of them is going to be curious enough to, to, to figure it out. Right, mm-hmm. and it their action their their actions will speak louder than anything they say, right? The the their questions, their interest in you, their interest in the team, their interest in the company, shines through regardless of what they say, right? Even behaviorally, um, you know, like I've had plenty of people come in and say, "Dude, I I love what Canopy's doing. I love this and blah 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 blah." And you're like, "I I know you haven't looked at my website." <laughs> Because you haven't asked me anything about Canopy. You haven't been curious about anything. Um, and that that was one thing. Like, I always kind of knew it, but I never saw it really in action until until Larry, uh, big shout out to Larry Furr, he, when he applied for the VP of product position at Canopy, I thought this was a great example. This is something that I learned as a candidate, you know, as a future candidate anywhere else. He, he came in and did the interview. He said all the right things, you know, did all the right stuff. Mm-hmm. But one thing that one thing that made us all realize that he wanted to work at Canopy or wanted to contribute to Canopy's uh, success was the fact that he called sales. He signed up for a demo. He went through our entire process. He went through a product demo with our with one of our sales reps, not telling the sales rep he was a candidate. He he he. At the end of that, he kind of he kind of bailed on the demo. Obviously, didn't want to pay for the software and you know that kind of stuff. But like wanted to talk to a CSM. He wanted to talk to, he wanted to call in and be a customer of all the different departments. And to me, that was like a really good example of that's a candidate who's curious. That's a candidate who's really trying to figure out mm-hmm. if this place is right for me or not. Because, and 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 you could tell he was the one. He was the one out of out of a bunch of them that really wanted to work there and contribute. He wasn't there just to be like name recognition or whatever right he was there to actually contribute and you know i think that goes a long ways and managers uh hiring managers you can spot that 
really quickly. Like, yeah. you 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 sit down with somebody for a lunch interview, and you can spot if they, you know, just based on their behavior, how they talk to you. Like, are they listening to you when you speak to them? Are they, you know, just just how they interact with you? You know that they want to work with you or or at the company, you know? Mm-hmm. And that goes a long way to making a decision. Because you can get a guy that's, like, super talented or a girl that's super talented um, that comes in and is, like, and, and you really, like, you're really high on this person. You're like, their portfolio is amazing. They're going to contribute like crazy. They're going to do whatever. And then the next person comes in. You go have a lunch interview with the next person, and you realize that they're way interested in what you guys are doing at your your office and, like, where you're going, and they're asking a bunch of questions. And when they engage you, you know that's going to be a good fit. And so at the end of at the end of the interview, you're like, man, I'd rather work with that person. I'd rather have that person on my team, the one that was super curious and like really interesting, versus the other one that I know is just really talented or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that I mean, like you said, from if you're a candidate and you are interested, you know, that's I think I think you're going to behave. If you're interested, if you're not interested in the company, I kind of don't think you should be interviewing with them. But like, you know, yeah, have, asking a bunch of questions, you know, talking to them about stuff, doing some research, doing some homework on the company that way, not given homework to do design stuff, but yeah. your own homework if you choose to accept it or not. Um, that's huge. And then as a manager, looking for that and actually, actually considering that because I think some managers don't consider that at all. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one more thing that I wanted to mention as well that um, made me think of is we also, I've been in a lot of interviews where, um, like, for example, for hiring for a designer, we just bring on the design team. And, yeah. you know, they don't really talk with anybody else, like any of the engineers, the product managers, um, or QA, you know, all those people that a designer would typically work with. Um, I've been in that, in those meetings and I've also been, um, I haven't been included when they're hiring product managers. Like they don't include designers in those or, yeah. or developers. Like, so I, I've been in a lot of situations where I have been included. I've been in other situations where I haven't been included at all. And I don't get to, um, you know, give any input or say into that candidate in terms of how well I think they will do, um, in ter- like working at this company, um, working with me or working with other designers. Um, and I think that's really important. I think as, as you are looking, as you said earlier, Patrick, if you're looking for someone who's going to fit well with your team and be able to come and contribute as a team member, um, you're going to want to include all of the team. You're going to want to make sure that all of those voices are heard um, because it could be that this is a, a really great developer that's coming on, a great engineer, but this engineer, um, you know, works great with with everybody except for they don't like designers at all. <laughs> they yeah. just they think like they've had bad experience with the designers, and they, they make that very clear um, in their interview. And so that that could be a big problem, um, or it could be you know vice versa, a designer that hates working with product managers, um, and that's just not going to work at your company. So you're definitely going to want to include all of the stakeholders. Um, as part of the interview process um, so that they can be able to have their voice heard, their voice voices heard and to make sure that 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 person truly does fit in the team not just the immediate team they're going to be on Mm -hmm. when you get a holistic view from different points of view right yeah that's perfect 
And um, Chris, I, did we answer the question, Chris? Should, should we just sit and see if he answers? <laughs> see, we see if he answers. If he responds. <laughs> I want him. I want him to be listening to this at home or in his car or whatever he's at, like Dora the Explorer, and he's like yelling back, like, "Yes, <laughs> we should do. We should do that more. We should be like, do you do you see the strawberry in the field? <laughs> oh, you did. That's awesome. Great job. So be like, yeah, great job." <laughs> So, Chris, did we answer your question? All right, I'm glad we could help, Chris. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he sounded really enthusiastic <sighs> about about our our answer. So that, that that was great. Yeah, he sounded really passionate about it. I was, I'm glad. I'm glad we helped yeah. him out. We did a good thing today, um, Patrick. Yeah, and we ended on a door of the explorer uh, <laughs> reference. So I like that. I like that too. It's always important. Can't go wrong there. <laughs> okay. See you, Andy. See you, Patrick. You want to know the best way to support the podcast? And I know you do because you made it to the end of this episode. That is share it. Share it with a coworker. Share it with a family member. Share it with a friend. Share it with whoever you want to. Share it with a construction worker. Share it with somebody. It doesn't matter. Just share it. Um, a couple more ways to support the podcast, though. Go buy a t-shirt over at designmuch.threadless.com and then wear it with pride. And then lastly, to support the podcast, we need your topics. Use hashtag designmuchtopics on social media or shoot us an email at topics at designmuch.org or just go to designmuch.org contact and fill out the form. 